welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Worst, a podcast where we watch movie trilogies and decide which film is running low on gasoline. Joining me today... I'm Luke Morgan. And I am the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. I'm just here for the gasoline. Boys, it's Mad Max, an Australian cult classic. Luke, you have mm. never seen these movies before. How did you go? So... I'm a bit of a weird Australian where I try and avoid anything Australian. Uh, I don't like Australian cinema or Australian movies. I find the Australian accent annoying, ironically. But you love NRL. (laughs) Which I know, I know, it doesn't make any sense. And um, so I'd never seen these movies. Uh, Obviously, a lot of references from these that I'd known from uh, like other movies. Um, I swear my parents threatened to put me in the Thunderdome my whole childhood and I didn't know what it meant, like it meant or anything. Um, never seen these movies, so I'm glad that I've watched them. Um, definitely a couple of them live up to what I've expected from this cult classic over these years of hyping it up. Um, very surprised in the direction of one of them um, after watching others, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But definitely glad I watched these films because I misjudged them for being an Australian film. Conan, you infamously wrote a high distinction paper on Mad Max 2 in university. How did you, how did you enjoy this rewatch? Quite infamously, yes. People <laughs> are still talking about that in the uh, the university circles. So the rewatch, I'd, I'd seen one and two. I'd never seen uh, Thunderdome. Oh, so, really? Really? Yeah, yeah. I never, for whatever reason, it was. I think in my, it was always one of those ones that everyone sort of said, "Oh, yeah, that's the weird, that's the weird child that nobody likes that shouldn't mm. have happened." You know, it's the kind of that common common thing in films of that era where I feel like they do one or two good ones and then they just kind of go, here's, you know, they're tripping out on cocaine. They're like, what if we do this with the third one? And bam, they just have this weird one. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just never saw it for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, similar to Luke, I think maybe a good solid half of this trilogy is, you know, peak Australian cinema. Mm-hmm. And the other half is, is valuable. I don't know if it's good. So when you say half, are you are you turning this into four films and including Fury Road, or are you? No, so I mean quite literally that one of the films is two it's films. Half. It's two films stitched together in a weird chimeric <laughs> mess, and half of that film is tight. The other half is not my jam. Uh, interesting. All right. Well, should we start off with some stats? Well, wait, Grant, you you had seen this, right? Oh yeah. Sorry, my opinion. I like Mad Max. I've seen them all before. Um, enjoy them. They're the films. I've talked about this before, but they're the films my dad liked, which and there's not many of those sort of films around, so they hold a high regard in my life. Um, I grew up in, well, holidaying around the area where the first Mad Max is filmed, so oh. in, in um, southern and sort of western Victoria around. Um, it's a small town, but it's like around the area of Ballarat and like northwestern Melbourne and stuff like this. Is it, um, so, um, is it near Barter Town? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. Uh, yeah. And Master Blaster runs Barter Town. He does. He's um, good. He's a good guy. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. We like we used to go to that area a lot when I was a kid. So like seeing these dudes drive around in these cars through those rolling hills and then those open flat bits of country. Like I don't know. There's something nostalgic about it for me um, mm. that I really enjoy. Because the Australian outback was quite literally like this, wasn't it? Like there are yes. just these weird souped-up cars falling yeah. apart. There's psychos in all sorts of things like that. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Cars were just launching into the air. Family holidays were very, very interesting back in those days. <laughs> Dramatic. Rough oh, um, time. I will just say, I didn't touch on it earlier, with my history with Mad Max, I did watch Mad Max Fury Road when it first released. I watched that in cinemas. 
Um, and so that was my first entry into the Mad Max series. Um, right I, I think we could all sit here and uh, lump praise on Mad Max Fury Road for the whole two hours hour, but uh, right. we're, we're going to just concentrate on uh, the Mel Gibson trilogy for now. At the end, we might touch on Fury Road because yep. what a film. Yes, we will. <laughs> all right, let's kick off with some stats, hey? Stats, 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 stats. All right, Mad Max had a budget of only $200,000. Is this our cheapest film that we've ever done? Yes. Yeah, pretty sure it is. <laughs> pretty sure it is. Jeez, that's not a lot of money. No, no, it's really not. So the gross, I don't know. The gross is all over the place on Wikipedia. If you look at worldwide, it says a hundred million dollars, but other stats say somewhere more around like fifteen million dollars, and I think that might be a bit more accurate. That's got to be like re-releases and stuff. I would say. I think so, and it's got like the approximate sign next to it, so I'd, we won't trust <laughs> that. But uh, Mad Max Two, four point five million dollar budget, uh, made. Uh, worldwide, thirty-six million, and uh, Beyond Thunderdome, twelve million dollar budget, uh, made sixteen million, and Fury Road for fun, one hundred and fifty million dollar budget, and made uh, three hundred and seventy-four million worldwide. So, not the not sorry. the success I thought it would be. Mm, no, sorry, I Thunderdome think... made fifty-two million. I read that wrong. I was going to say that cool. is like a four million dollar profit. I was like, wow, that yeah. really bombed. No, 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 Thunderdome, Thunderdome did pretty well. Considering. I mean, it had Tina Turner. Tina Turner. Who she, doesn't want to if, turn up for Tina Turner? She's not a draw. She's Who is? Simply the best. <laughs> we don't need another. All right. Uh, Jeez, I hate that song. My I know. Gosh. It's bad. I couldn't stop so singing bad. it, though, as soon as that movie so started. I had no idea it was this song. And that's playing. I'm like, oh, this is the one she did. And it was a, yeah. it was a big revelation for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, critical response, Metacritic, uh, Mad Max, a score of 73. Mad Max 2, a score of 77. Thunderdome, a score of 71. Fury Road, oh. a score of 90. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's the last we'll say about Fury Road. <laughs> oh, I'm burning. I want to talk all about it. Yeah. It, it'll have its time. It'll have its time. Maybe, I mean, eventually there'll be a trilogy. I really hope there'll be a trilogy of modern Mad Max films that we can cover one day. Yeah, uh, I think that, would, so. that would make me very happy. Uh, Boys, do these films deserve to be a trilogy? Conan, that... you're the expert on this. <laughs> I am. Again, as a hate, high distinction essayist, I think... Look, Mad Max is one of the the universes, I think, that actually has one of the most interesting and richest laws in, I don't know, in modern cinema, I guess. Like, I'm surprised watching this, just how thought out and how actually deep a lot of it is. And part of the reason I think Fury Road works so well is because... Uh, Miller had 20 years of just like processing this universe in his mind. He's like, this is how it all works. And I think it really is on show in these. Like, he does have ideas about what is... Like, he hasn't just sort of... It's not something like The Matrix where they had a cool idea at one. They're like, okay, what do we do with the next few? Oh, this... I guess this is the universe we dip into. Mm. You can sort of tell he's thought about this the whole time. He's like, yeah, this is how it goes. This is what happens there. This is what would become of that. And so I think it is the kind of trilogy you can just... Or the series you can continually come to. Like, you can keep... You can keep dipping into it. And this trilogy, the, the Mel Gibson one specifically, is actually a really great sort of overall arc of before the apocalypse, just after the apocalypse, and society rebuilding long-term after that. So you've kind of got the the end, the rebirth, and the continuation of civilization. And I think it's... I've got a lot of respect for the third one because it is a really nice book ending. It's like, oh, this isn't just three tales. It's actually a... It is like a complete story in itself. It's, it's an interesting... I really enjoy it as a look at a filmmaker 
getting a budget and honing his craft. And like the third movie doesn't hold up to that, but there's a, you know, there is a story behind why George Miller didn't make probably the movie he would have liked to have, but like particularly one and two looking at, like it really feels like two is the movie that he wanted number one to be in a lot of ways. For sure. Mm-hmm. And I think Max is such a interesting character in that he's not much of a character. Like he's not the mm. reason he's just like, he's the reason the story progresses, but he's not the one we're interested in, in the world. And I really enjoy that. And I, I want more of that. I'm keen for that. Yeah. I think Max is one of the most fascinating Hollywood characters and like one of the most fascinating heroes mm. for exactly those reasons. Cause he's almost, he's not a hero. He's barely a character and he's really weak. He's constantly in danger. He's actually <laughs> never, he's never like got the upper hand. It's just through pure, like, raw survival that he always co- copes and it's really he's really fascinating it yeah. it kind of surprised me that every time he'd like go out on his own and it's like i'm like all right mad max is gonna kick some ass he's out there for like 10 seconds and his car blows up and he like rolls down a hill yeah. <laughs> like he's a bloody mess and he's on death's door already and i'm like okay that's over yeah he's forever scrambling to to get some upper hand but he never quite get, gets there luke does it deserve to be a trilogy um yeah, like I don't know. I I have issues with the third film. Um, it, it like it deserves to be a trilogy. And what Conan said is um correct in like it sort of sh- shows like the three stages of the apocalypse, and I can see that story being told. I just wish it was maybe done better and more cohesively in the same genre, <laughs> or like <laughs> if it felt like like the third one really feels like a different. <sighs> different series to me. Yep. Um, mm. But obviously watching the first time, I was like, especially one and two, uh, I, I like how it progresses and everything like that. But yeah, like I'm, it's, it's such an interesting world. And obviously Australian cinema, this was like a, a landmark for it, that I think it's one of those things where it doesn't even need to be a trilogy. It could be this thing that now it's this character story in this world. Like the world, it's, um, you can, you could just, drop down and look at somebody's story in this world and like, or have Matt like Max be like this thing that you view the world through um, and just see all these interesting stories that are happening in the world. But yeah, it does. We've, deserve got, a trilogy. we've got the Furiosa spinoff coming up. Like, I feel like that's going to be exactly that. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, it's weird though, what that's going to look like because these films are anchored, all of them are anchored by Max and the whole yeah. fact that he's not really the star, he's kind of like, He's a surrogate for the audience and he's just, he's there and he kind of makes some brief decisions, but it's mainly he just helps, he reluctantly helps the good guys get out of peril, but he's always sort of there to change it just. It's kind of like, a, it's like a sort of a take on that, you know, classic sort of Western and um, samurai trope of like this wandering hero just enters a town, yeah. solves the problem. And so I mean, to not have him in Furiosa is going to be weird. Like, I don't know what that's going to, I'm sure it'll be great, but it's just going to be strange. I. I found it funny that, like, in Thunderdome, they call him, like, it's the man with no name. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It re- reminds me of that Clint Eastwood type thing. Yeah. I was totally reminded of those movies. Like, yeah, just like, drifter, yeah. drifter rolling into town. Yeah, Very much riffing on all that stuff. Yeah, the mythology. Who do we cast Dennis Franz as? <laughs> He's, he, can be, he can be Master Blaster. He can be the Blaster or the Master. <laughs> I'd like to see him as master, actually. Yeah, it would be to see him as master. I mean, he could be, he could be Humongous, Humongous, whatever his name is. Yeah. The Lord Humongous. Of Rock and Roller. Um, yeah. Or, the, yeah. or uh, Toe Cutter. 
I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he could just be the villain in every film, right? And Dennis Frame have... fits in this universe, I feel. <laughs> they don't have they don't seem to have any problem recasting actors as different characters between films, so No. Which I love. I enjoy it too. It's 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 kind of off putting between two and three because of their similar at first yeah. glance they're very similar characters, right? And I feel yeah, there is always a question, I think it's like maybe they actually are and Max Wait, has who? just forgotten. Oh, there you go. People don't even notice. <laughs> so uh Bruce helicopter guy. Bruce Spence yeah. is the gyro captain in two, and then he's Jebediah, the pilot, in number three. See, I was going to ask oh, you guys, I was like, <laughs> why does Max not acknowledge that he knows this person? So is that a different character? Yes. That's I mean, also flying a plane. Yes. So it could theoretically, he could theoretically not be, because it's been like 10 years between the films, the timeline. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of number two, he's with that girl. So it's like maybe he had a kid and something happened. So it, That's it what could, I assumed. It could line up, but. At the same time, he's a different character because, yeah, he's he's called Jebediah the Captain instead of the Gyra Captain. So it's like, I don't know, it's just kind of a nice little loose end that these films do. There's a lot of them. And it's yeah. like, oh, you can sort of fill that in how you feel. See, because I kept being like, why does Max not re- remember this guy? And like, why is he? Oh, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's weird. And especially at first, it catches you off guard. But I, I like, I kind of enjoy it. And obviously, Toe Cutter from the first film is um, a Morton Joe in Fury Road. Yeah, he, he- is. Hugh Keen's barn or something? Yeah. Rest, Passed believe, away a couple months ago. Recently, yeah. Mm. Yep. Just in peace. He's All right. He's burn. Yep. He was good. I like, yeah. I don't, he didn't do a heap, but these, he was fun in these movies. Uh, yeah. He's a he's a presence, right? Like, as Toe Cutter, yeah. he just kind of, he's there. And as Emerson Joe, he's, man, he's he's frightening, but he's, he's bringing the heat. <laughs> oh, that movie. All right. I just want to get into it. Let's go. No, wait till the end. <laughs> let's, get, let's get past these ones first. Who loses? Which is the worst film? Of these three, I mean, I think it's really obvious, but no, I think we're going to disagree. <laughs> it's. I mean, he's... sure, all right. Is, are you seriously going to say it's not Thunderdome? Yeah, I'm going to say Dude. Mad. I'm going to say Mad Max One is the worst. Why? Oh, Mad Max One is not a good film. It's like I'm sorry, taking so all right. This is the tricky thing. So you have to separate the legacy and the sheer influence of that film because it's incredibly valuable. Like it's invaluable to how it shaped cinema. So these are really like the first kind of big exploitation films that brought the Australian phenomenon overseas that did really well, kind of to everyone's surprise. And, but, oh, okay, it's, you know, Australian cinema is actually a thing. And it's kind of, it, it birthed the modern action blockbuster. It created like, did like the Australian desert landscape as an aesthetic. It, it shaped apocalyptic aesthetics with the leather and the bikers, all this stuff that is, that all is that. just... Yeah, like Fallout is directly inspired by this yep. stuff. The arseless chaps, the bizarre, like all of it. Like Man, it's everyone's influ- got arseless pants. It's it's really strange. It's so freaking strange. The DNA of this film, all of them, but especially number one and two, is in everything post-apocalyptic ever made mm-hmm. from them. So I in no way want to detract from that and be like, oh, it's not important because this film is one of the most important films ever made, I think, in Western cinema. But it's not a good movie. It's so strangely paced. It is so slow for an action film. It is really slow, and that's not just like the fact that it's made in '79. It's it's kind of like a weird revenge film that actually doesn't get into it until the last twenty minutes. There's the a the, want, yeah, the thing he wants revenge for doesn't happen till the end. There's just so many strange choices in this movie, and there's so much. The middle section, especially, nothing happens. It is so boring and so slow. And I totally get what they're trying to do, but I think part of it's because you know George Miller is. He's still figuring out his craft. He's still he's trying to make a film on two hundred thousand dollars, which fantastic effort. Kudos. Like 
I know I want to belittle him as well. I think he's one of my heroes, but I just don't think this movie holds up. And like you said, Grata, Mad Max 2 is everything he wanted to make. Yeah. And when, when you have Mad Max 2, it's like Mad Max 1 just doesn't need to exist. It actually doesn't do anything. There's nothing it does slightly better. It's only worse. That's my spiel. All right. So <laughs> this is the thing. I can separate it from its cult classic status because I went into this thinking they were going to be bad <laughs> just because that's just my prejudice. I'd never seen them before. I came in fresh. Um, yes, I don't think one ages well. As in, like, it's it's rough, you know? It's rough. Obviously, it's gonna, going to be. And when I started watching it, my wife and I, and she had never seen it either, um, we were sitting there watching it, and we we're like, oh, man, we got to watch three of these. <laughs> we're like, this is, uh, this is rough. Then there's a moment, like, there's a point in that movie where I found myself sort of engaged with it. And when it finished, I was like, yeah, that got better. I was like, that got better. Especially, like, the second half, um, I was engaged with what was happening, um, entertained by it. Second one, loved the movie. Like I was like, that that was great. Like I was captivated beginning to end of that film. The third one, there were about seven or eight times I actively paused the movie and I turned to my wife and I was like, what the, f- what the hell happened? Like, what's, <laughs> was, what is this film? Was like, all of this during the, the kids parts? Okay. So you touched on it earlier, and I'm guessing this is what you were referencing about the movie that feels like two mm. different movies because it completely does. And I had this moment when, while I was watching the probably, you know, the first half hour, first act of um, Thunderdome, I was like, okay, so obviously one's the worst one. I was like, this is enjoyable. So this is like building up. I was like, this is entertaining. I was kind of engaged. And then, yeah, once once Max gets banished, I guess, um, and I start realizing, I'm like, man, this really is um, pulling the brakes up on violence in this film. Like when mm. I feel like the most violent thing is this guy getting some arrows in his ribs and he's like, and dies. Ooh. And that's the most violent thing that's happened so far. So this was the first Mad Max to be PG-13, right? But the other two exactly. are later in the States. Yeah. And compared to one and two, man, it's such a change of pace. And it really is. Yeah. The second half of this movie, which goes for I feel like it goes for really long and it takes ages is so bad I I really dislike the second half of this movie um just the story with the kids and everything like that obviously they're all bad actors yeah it's into this weird territory where it feels like it's um copying indigenous culture yeah like like it's like the new indigenous culture where we're like this and this this, the the way they talk, where it's yeah. it's they they really feel like they're acting like they're talking, like I don't know if you know what I mean, like just yeah. skipping words and skipping. Trying to, he's trying to like create a new language, but I don't think it works. So, no, again, it feels really it, forced. It's really good in Fury Road. There's a lot of it in Fury Road, and it works. And I think yeah. he sort of he came to a point, but in this, you're right. The language is so bad; it's so frustrating. And it, yeah, like as you say about the indigenous culture, like I totally got those vibes. And they're movies that are very. Like there is, there's no indigenous representation in these movies at all. No, um, for Australian movies, that's kind of sad. Um, it's, yeah, it's part and parcel of the the industry at the of time. The time. Right? I know, yeah. I know. It's understandable. But it's, it's also not right, I guess. Too. No, and it feels so egregious when they are acting like that, and like 
almost it feels like they're talking about like the the dream time like yeah. when they're talking about it and mm. it's so blatant that it feels uncomfortable watching in this day and age especially i'd never seen him as a kid like i don't have this thing where i looked at it as like oh you know like these people it's it feels really weird watching it now and it feels yeah. uncomfortable in a way watching it it is but i don't think he's doing it like he's not doing it like a caricature or anything i think it is done fairly tactfully it's like He's kind of like, because again, it's in the eighties. So <laughs> there's an element of like the industry didn't do right by them. I totally agree with you. They should have yeah. had like proper representation of Aboriginal people. But I think there's a sense of like this is our culture, and it's like, oh look, there's this return to the spiritual roots. I'm not saying it's handled perfectly because it's 1985. Very little was to do with racial politics. But it's not like he's you know putting them in blackface. It's not like they're they've got a weird funny accent they're doing a broken language and they're referencing these broader australian concepts and i yeah. think i don't think it's like done as a flippant like ha ha how funny is like traditional ab- aboriginal spirituality it's like no you know once civilization falls we all revert back to something more important and so it's not you know it's not perfect without a doubt but i don't think it's like a joke or it's not like i never got an i never got the impression of like oh this is really hurtful i think it's more it's actually trying to be respectful. It's just not handled well. Yeah, it's it's really not handled well. And, and it's I aged just, very poorly. Aged yeah. very poorly. And obviously, this is what, early 80s, 85, I believe, Thunderdome was. 85. Um, so, you know, you got to give it some slack with that. I don't know, man. I feel like the actors were kind of tanned, like wearing tanning paint as well. Like I mean, they're living in the desert. Yeah, I think like, they, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. No, okay, I get it, but it I don't know, man. Just everything I mean, about say, it. You could say like they literally got cave paintings. Um, they pass on their stories by telling stories to the younger generation, which is like a big part of Aboriginal culture. And that's how like, they member. But not yeah, not exclusive to not exclusive to Aboriginal culture. That's big no, in any, no, it's in any culture traditionally. A lot of it, yeah. But, so I don't know. I think it's handled poorly, and it is uncomfortable. I, I felt a bit weird about it watching it today. And it just okay. Let me get into this thing because, man. I can't, I can't fathom that Thunder, Thunderdome is better than Mad Max One. When, really? like, really? the final, the whole train sequence, man. This guy with the stupid stick and the head on it, that he yeah. like gets no, run that over. Was, that was a cool costume. I'll, okay, I'll no, write no. that costume. Okay, nothing against the costume. I'm just referencing the guy. Sure. That he seems to be this thing that oh, he keeps coming back. Is in a car that gets exploded in front of the train. He's stuck on the front of the train. All, all like black, like as if he's a cartoon character that set off a piece of dynamite. Mm-hmm. Then he shows up again in another car. Then that get, then he gets dropped off a bridge at one point. Then at the end, the car blows up again, rolls, and he still sticks his hand out and sticks the thumbs up. It's like so comical, and it feels so out of place with this movie where, you know, um, the villains in the other ones were killed by like being run over by a car, and it's brutal, and like body parts yeah. and limbs flying everywhere. And then to go PG. And this cartoon character to be like, and like blowing up and just like coming back again. It just. There's the scene, there's a scene like where he's hanging off the side of the train on the railing and he's like lifting his legs up over all the obstacles. (laughs) And it's like, this is like Bugs Bunny level shit. Like, yeah, it's bad. I, and I think it comes back to them like trying to be PG 13. It's like, how do we make this interesting without some ultra violence? And I I just don't know that it really works. It feels like they did that to be more. Mass appealing, I feel like. It mm. just seems like this is very Hollywood. Let's get Tina Turner in. Let's do this. Let's have it be Hook or like, you know, something like let's get these kids involved. This That's what's hot in Hollywood at the moment. 
And yeah, it just it doesn't feel talk, like We need to talk about kid, the kids properly. Yeah, like the kids are reminding me so much of like the Lost Boys in Hook. Like you've got them yeah. swinging around on ropes and kicking dudes into puddles of shit and like there was something it's bad. In, there was something in the water in the 80s because Hollywood went through this weird thing, <laughs> this weird phase of like kids are the best. You've got, I mean, you've even got like, you know, Star Wars 6 has the, uh, the Ewoks, which are essentially yeah. just children. You've got... Hook, you've got the Goonies, you've got this. Like, I feel like every film made in the 80s, you've obviously got Spielberg creating things like E.T. E.T. You've just got this thing where every movie has kids as like these great heroes that can actually save the day. And I don't know if it's some social anxiety. Like, yeah, like all the big films just have kids and they're like a really big part. And every film from that era sucks because of it because kids can't act. Yeah. And this has it in spades, whereas like half the film's got kids. And like, why do you even. I'm telling you, something was. The water was tainted. Yeah, it was. It was like it's. There's a scene when they finally get back to Barter Town, and just like I don't know when the drain falls off, and like Max like Ooh, slides down like this drain. It feels yeah. so. It does not feel like Mad Max, and it feels like what movie am I watching? This is not part of the same series that I was yeah. watching before. They really, um, I don't know. I feel like they really blunt the edges of Max too. Like in number two, like he does not care. Like he's there for the. For the fuel, and that's it. For the, the like, what was it? Sorry, for the guzzoline. Sorry, yeah. for the guzzoline. Um, but like, he's not really interested in helping them. He doesn't care about the feral kid or anything like that. And then in this, and like, I get it. They're playing back to what happens to him in the first movie, but mm. I, I, I don't know. It's it's the worst Max, easily. Yeah, I mean, he's um, also kind of the coolest because he has long hair and he has like fifteen guns. Like I Max in the. Not- that I mean, how overdone is the we need all your weapons scene? Like, and oh my they god! Unload it's their whole comical. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's like he pulls this massive one out of his pants. And, just, and see, it. two has a kid, but feral kid I feel is iconic, man. Like it's so bad though. Obviously, so he's badly acted, and it's badly like the way it's they terrible. do the, yeah. the boomerang. But that's nowhere near as bad as the kids in Thunder. You want to talk and, about appropriation of culture? There's there's a problem. Yeah. True. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that's but, that's a I think that's a huge red flag if you want to hold that standard to number three you have to be like this is bad guys you can't do that it it's no it's not on the same level it's not on the same I, level and I disagree the, it's because not only that you like, oh no it's it's as bad but anyway but I mean he kills at least he kills someone with that thing he does something man <laughs> that's true he he's responsible for more violence than all of Mad Max Thunderdome is and the Thunderdome's talked up to be this bad thing I mean of like I said earlier, I was threatened with the Thunderdome my whole life. I was expecting this to be really insane. Oh, there's chainsaws hanging up there. And, man, they're just bouncing around, and it's like it doesn't feel threatening or violent anymore. No, I, I feel like the bouncing around was such a poor choice. And, like, you look at some reviews, and, like, Roger Ebert's like, oh. He loved it. Thunderdome was such a good idea. It's such a unique <laughs> take on, like, an arena battle. And I'm just – it's so awkward the whole time they've got those straps on. As soon as they come off, it's like, okay, now we can have a fight. Yeah. But oh, it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's held back, yeah. Like, the, the fact that this film is PG-13 is the, is the problem with it. It's, like, the entire problem with the film. Because, obviously, it was made with American money, which is why Tina Turner's in it. It's made by Warner Brothers instead of a small Australian companies. And so they have to be like, well, we have to sell this. It's going to be, and you see that all the time, right? Hollywood's like, we don't want to do R-rated because it scares people away. And then you, we get we get things like the Wolverine films that don't have him killing anybody. We get Venom where it's somehow PG-13. So you can't do this. 
it's a huge issue, but I don't know. I feel like if you just if you put that aside for the moment, if you just try to mentally block that out, the first half of Beyond Thunderdome is awesome. It's really cool. I think it's very it's interesting. It's definitely better than the second half, but yeah. I, can I defend? I really like Mad Max 1. Like, there's definitely some nostalgia there. Yeah, sell, um, sell it to me. And there's definitely, like, there is an element of, like, this movie is very influential. And I don't think you can completely say it's a bad movie, but it's influential. Like, I think I think you have to give it some credit for that. But I I enjoy what they do with such a small budget. Like, I feel like that movie is a movie where they're, like, we don't have many actors. These streets feel really empty. Like I'm going to go to this police station. There's no one here, but how can we make this world feel bigger? And I love the, the radio chatter that's always going on. There's like, Mm. it's, I don't know. It feels very world building to me. Like there's always something bigger happening. This world is bigger than we get to see, but we have this small cheap lens to see it through. Um, I, I really enjoy like the bikey gang going around and like harassing people. And like, they are literally like a, a motorcycle group, like, um, club. And they're just all dressed up in costumes, like working for free, basically, except for Toe Cutter. It has that feeling, right? Like of all those, you see those low budget films where it's like everybody just wants to make something cool. Yeah. And you can you can tell they all believe in. You can tell no one's actually here, like no movie stars turning up to like just for a payday. Everyone's like, we believe in doing something cool, and everyone's just yeah. having a blast in the sun. And yeah, like people just like that town that they filmed it in. It's you're right. It's just a normal town, and it looks it looks like an apocalyptic town. But they're just like, we'll just film in this country area because it looks this way, and everyone's happy to have it happen. Dude, I swear, I've I've I drive past that town. Like, yeah. if I leave this town, yeah. I was like, this is just filmed here. Yeah, in the present day. I don't know, <laughs> like for some country <laughs> towns. Like, like there's just as many boarded up like stores in little towns around us. You're right. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate like I f- it feels very dirty and grimy and grubby that movie like there's a lot of ugly people in that film that have these horrible <laughs> yeah. thick Australian accents um, that are hard to understand at times yeah I, I don't know it just oozes like Australiana it oozes I don't know I really enjoy what they do there I, it's not the best Mad Max film by any means it might not be better than the first half of Thunderdome but the last half of Thunderdome is so egregious to me. That, and, like, and I enjoy. I really enjoy the um, like the car, the car chases in in number one. Like I think they're mostly done really well. You get the fun scenes of the dude's eyeballs popping out of his heads with that really cheap That's effect. So the um, the fast forward camera effect that George Miller has since perfected in like Fury yeah, Road. It's it's a, it's a problem in the first one. It doesn't look good. It, it's not as good, but I don't know. I it's just I really time. appreciate it. A but baby it's... named they named their baby Sprog. <laughs> How can you not love that? It's so weird. It's it just, is weird. Then uh, uh, the middle, the middle does kind of suck. Like I don't these because there's I could have this problem with number three too. But there's a there's a Down syndrome character that they just sort of plonk in there. Yeah, is really strange. And then they're not like he's not treated well in number three either. Like I think no, that's, I think it's a problem in number three as well. <laughs> I think it's a problem in number three as well. I mean, um, it's kind of it's kind of the point of the world though, right? It's like a world of this weird like because it in fury road as well like there's a lot of people who are like uh, i don't know i don't know i don't know what the pro- it's i don't know what the proper word is you know the proper term but a lot of people fury, with additional I think, fury, mut- I think fury road plays it up as these are mutations of mm. this post-apocalyptic world they're not dis- disabilities that we see today that we're making fun yeah. of or making light of um yeah, yeah. Let's play I, it up as like you know. Nux has Larry and Barry, his little ups. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think to the point. I think 
I get the feeling, I feel like it's meant to be number one as well, is the world is dying from something. And that's kind of why everyone's so gross and ugly and just and weird looking in it because yeah. it's meant to be a world that's just completely in decline everywhere. And I don't, like, I can see why you would, some people would have a problem with the representation in these films because there is a lot of it used. Like in Thunderdome, there's Master and Blaster yeah. where it's like a, a, a small person riding a large, you know, I guess, I guess he's someone with Down syndrome, right? Is that that's yes. what it is? So he's yeah. like riding this dude and there's clearly, yeah, some issues there. Um, but... And you're right, in the first one, it's, it is just kind of he's there for, for no real reason. He's not really there for any reason. You sort of get this sense that they may maybe wanted to make him out to be the thing that scared off his wife, maybe, like his impression mm. that I got, but they never really, they don't really go anywhere with it. It's sort of strange. I don't know. Yeah. I just think that middle part of the first film, holy crap, you get like this weirdly long saxophone solo by his wife. You get them hanging, <laughs> you get them hanging out in like the forest for a while, and then she's running for 20 minutes. And it's just 20 minutes. It's a long time. She goes to the beach and it's a really long, slow walk. And then they're just there for some reason. And then she runs back for a long 20 it minutes. Is, oh. Yeah, it is convenient that they're there. Like after that. Like, all of that. Yeah. I think it's funny. The first film is like 80 minutes. It's very short. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you cut it down to about a solid 50, perfect. Better film. Yeah, it's maybe. But I feel film. like if you cut Thunderdome down to about a 40 minute film, it's better. <laughs> yeah. If I think you just stop it, Max I... rides out on that horse and it's the credits roll. And it's like, well, I wonder what happened to him. So you guys don't like the final chase scene in Thunderdome? No, I don't because it feels no. so watered down from what we got in two. Like it, fe- nothing feels threatening. And even one. Yep. Yep. Like people fall out of their cars. And it's like, ooh, and they start rolling. It doesn't feel like they're going to get run over and their head's going to flip onto the camera. Like, it's, it doesn't feel brutal or... I mean, that only happens with Toe Cutter, right? Like, there's no blood or gore in the other two. It's all very... Ta- like, it's all intentionally done off camera. It's kind of tame. Max gets really messed up as well. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's the limit. Him and Toe Cutter's eyes exploding, but you never see, like... There's two scenes of people's eyes exploding because that happens at the start as well. What does it? They, like, crash through the caravan and stuff and... Yeah, someone someone's eyes exploded. I remember <laughs> seeing it twice. <laughs> what's, what's with George Miller and his eyes? Okay. Yeah, okay, so I, I didn't have an issue with it. I liked the chase scene. I thought it was a good way to end it. I just thought that, that that middle, yeah, the children's section is terrible. But then even like, I don't know, at the end, Tina Turner's just like, man, we're a pair, and drives off. I like that. Max is like, da na 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 And like, I don't know, it's like, it feels, and I don't know, the whole time I was like, why does this guy not recognize Max? <laughs> So it was confusing <laughs> me. Different characters. I knew it was the same actor. And because Alicia even said, like, she's like, that's the same guy, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, because I saw the IMDb before. I was like, it's the yeah, same Bruce actor. Bruce. Yeah. Australian and treasure. So I just. He's so good out, in man. these movies, by the way. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Number two, particularly. I think yeah. Gene, look, Gene Siskel sums it up well. The middle portion of the picture becomes dangerously preachy. But just before we and Max are bored, Miller returns to his, Max to his roots, screaming chase sequence through a desert-like landscape. Ain't that the truth? But it's not the middle. It's like a big, big chunk of the movie. It's the middle. Like, it's it's about half of it, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I still I still prefer number one. I feel I like, uh, the we're first one is just because... not good. It's, it's, super, cr- it's not... super important. It's super crucial to film, but it's yeah. not a good movie. And neither I, does but I don't think anybody. number three is good either. Like three is not good. I so you're saying that the first, the first half isn't. There's nothing good there. Barter Town isn't interesting, or it's good. I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say the first half of Thunderdome is so much better than number one that it un, 
undoes the the horribleness. No, of the, the and it doesn't. It okay. does, it's not not as good as number two. Like it doesn't hold a candle to two. Oh, for sure. But it also fleshes the world out a lot more than number. Like it's, it's a different film to number two. It's it's tough being in number two's shadow. So yeah. I think that was the issue with number three. Is that everyone was like, well, let's just have the same. I mean, we we didn't even get with Fury Road. Fury Road is just one chase. Mad Max Two is not a chase film. But three, they're like, how do we do something different? And I think they expand the universe enough to make it. At least I find it really interesting. I just enjoy seeing like societies like this, you know, reborn. Mm. Bartertown is like this clear critique of capitalism. And so it's like this sort of, there's a subtle like jab at, you know, like America's Reaganomics and stuff that's going on. I think that's really interesting. It's got a lot more commentary in mind than. The workers seizing the means of production. Yeah. I... yeah. The, third, like, I the first one doesn't have that. And the second one kind of doesn't either really, which you can, I don't, you know, you don't have to say our political commentary is what makes a film, but I think it's. For me, I, I added value to the third one. It's um, like I feel like Thunderdome. Even as much as it gets into the whole weird thing about um, copying indigenous culture and stuff like that, I feel like it really takes the soul out of Mad Max. I feel like it does not feel like an Aussie film anymore. Like it doesn't have. It doesn't feel like it's the same place as one and two took place. I don't feel. In Broken Hill, man, it's still the same place. Number two. So it was filmed in Australia. It yeah. just doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, again, because it was like a co-American production, so there is a lot of American actors in there, and like American. I think there was a lot more production involvement than yeah. you got. Ten Turner. Would, yeah, like and yeah, I mean, all that's yeah. You know that um, Byron Byron Kennedy died like in pre-production for this film, so mm-hmm. and George Miller didn't want to continue with the film, but was kind of I don't know. He's, I think he says he just continued to to do something more or less. Yeah. I, I like that to me is is how this movie feels like. It feels like it's lost the auto. It feels like it's lost the heart, um, which was George Miller. That's how three feels to me. Like it's now, yeah, like you say, Hollywood production. We've got the Lost Boys swinging around on ropes. <laughs> yep, and mm. it's just uh, I don't know. I I prefer number one. But yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just say one last piece. Of I feel like one and two, especially I'd never seen them before. It feels unique watching them now. I feel like they're unique films, while mm. number three definitely feels like Hollywood eighties film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like I'm not gonna. No, you're wrong, but like that's fine. <laughs> People can be wrong at times. And again, number one is more important to the general yes. cinema history. So let's give it to them. Okay, good. All right. Well. Fury Road's also a Hollywood production, but we love that. This is cute. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I was going to say, like, that doesn't hold up when you start arguing for Fury Road because no, there's, it like, doesn't. A, there's but, like a lot of... But it's not Mel Gibson. Like, it feels like a reboot. It feels like a reboot, kind of. And That's another that, thing. The, the main Australian hero is not an Australian, which is weird, but... Anyway. Yeah, I... Anyway, we'll come to it. But I feel like number four, like, is a small... It's more like Mad Max 2, I feel like. It's smaller. Like, it fleshes out the world in some fun ways, but yep. you don't... Like, you never go to Guntown or any of the other places they talk about. They just mention- how, how cool would it be to go oh, there? The no, I don't, farm. Wanna, I don't need to go there. I just need, no, to, I need to hear about it, but I don't want to go there. I want to know why they've got civilizations, like, just a few k's away. You're in the desert, guys. Just build one huge city yeah. up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's come back to Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to sidetrack us. Uh, well, who do we blame for the worst film? Conan, do you want to do you want to point number one? What's the, what's the what's the blame for that? Oh, that feels bad blaming people. I, I blame person. It can be a thing. Blame I blame. I blame. Well, yeah, all of that. Like blame all the general, experience. all the general trappings of Australian 
Okay, that's a good actually point. Inexperience. Can we talk about George Miller real quick? Do you guys know much about his backstory? Not really. So George Miller, humble man, born somewhere in Queensland, I think, worked as a doctor, as an ER doctor prior to this. So he was born in Chinchilla, which, funnily enough, was where my auntie and uncle lived, tiny little town in Queensland. And yeah, he worked as a doctor. And so like he spent a lot of his time there uh, like saving the lives of people who were involved in car crashes. Because out in that part of the country, just long stretches of like highway and desert, very Mad Maxian. And so he sort of lived, like saw this and saw like the devastation of car crashes and like saw all the stuff. So he's obviously really interested in it. And that's kind of what inspired this, where he saw the victims of speed and like adrenaline and the car culture of Australia and made these films. And so Mad Max was the first film that he made. He made some shorts before that. But I just think that's it. I think it's a matter of he really is a first time director uh, coming in as like, I have a dream, you know, I have a passion, I have an idea. And he made something that would go on to become beautiful, beautiful films. But yeah, he's got very little money and he's making just, he's trying to figure out an idea as he's going. And I think that's yeah. that's part of the issue. Um, and, you know, he, he's a super talented director, goes on to make some great stuff. But He's had an odd career. Like <laughs> It's just yeah. a strange twist to go from like Mad Max to Happy Feet or yeah. the sequel to Babe. That's kind like... of it. He just... He makes I mean, Mad Max or kids films. <laughs> it's not hate on Happy Feet, so Happy Feet's very, great. Very successful film. Yeah, I just think the first one suffers from all those things. It's it's low budget, it's indie, it's first time, and it's um, it just has a lot of problems from that. And again, I mean, like Austra- Australian film was really kind of limited at that point. So, in a in a way, like the team behind this were writing the cinematic language for Australia, right? They didn't have people to look back to. They didn't really have much of an example to say this is because this is six years before, sorry, seven years before Crocodile Dundee, which sort of becomes the international film idea of what an Australian film is. Mm. So I really think they're kind of going in blind and like, what do we do? Like, how do we really make films? What does this look like? And so, again, you kind of give them bonus points for that. But as a result, yep. they made a film that has terrible pacing and terrible scripts. <laughs> uh- Luke, have you got something to blame for, for Thunderdome? The kids. I blame the yeah. kids. It's the children who are wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I blame the kids. And I think also, like, you, I, I feel like you could definitely feel George Miller didn't have his – it wasn't necessarily the passion project that he wanted to do at the time. His yeah. heart wasn't in it, and therefore the heart of Mad Max wasn't in this film. Um, I think going to PG also hurts it as well. Um, yep. Tina Turner's great. She can stay. You're a fan? Um, Oh, I love Tina Turner, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, Dance it the could nut, have been nut bush every night. Could have been great. Oh, so. she did the nut bush. <laughs> oh, How do you not know your Tina Turner history? What kind of Australian are you? Weird that an American singer is so pivotal to our history. Man, <laughs> NRL nineties simply the best. Man, that was that was like the NRL anthem. Still is. Yeah, he's more Australian than most of us, I guess. Yeah. All right. Did, did anybody deserve better? Um, I guess for me, no, not really. <laughs> what I was mean, his friend's name in the first one got burnt alive. Was it was he the night night rider or whatever his name? No, was? night rider's the no, night rider's bad, the bad guy. guy. To start. What's the oh, blonde right. cop? That... Oh yeah, who? Yeah, I don't know. Goose. Goose. Yeah. Yeah. Goose. goose. Yep. He deserved better because that was a horrible end. Oh, the um the big buff dude, <laughs> like the big buff bald cop. He deserved better just because. We didn't see him yeah. crush any skulls. <laughs> the cops, uh, cops had yeah. very. Now, short do you know who deserved? All right, V8s deserve better because all the interceptors die very quickly, and mm. you know they're, they're pretty gnarly cars. But also, 
leather because leather shouldn't be worn in hot Australian deserts. But for some reason, everyone wears leather in this. That was the that was the adopted thing. Should have been denim. That makes more sense. It's a bit odd. Like, can we can we talk about that? What is? Why do you think that's a choice? (laughs) It's definitely a choice, and it's so funny. Um, We touched on it earlier. Like watching these films, I was just like. Oh, like I swear I've seen that town in a Fallout game. Like yep, it's like yep. what sort of created this post-apocalyptic biker type um, aesthetic? I feel like yeah, it came from these movies. It's odd, and like, did the whole BDSM community just to get get together and decide these are the outfits that we want to wear? Like, I don't know. This created the BDSM community. It seems I feel like, like, doesn't it? <laughs> but my theory is this: Miller was like, we need leather because leather bike. Everyone who rides a bike wears leather jacket for protection. Mm. But there wasn't enough leather in the world, so he went to all the sex shops throughout Australia and was like, "We need leather pants." And they're just like, "Well, we've got six pairs of asses chaps." He's like, "That'll do." That'll I don't do. have a, I, I don't have a budget, so I'm going to take this, what I can this get. Jacket with one with one uh, shoulder pad, and that's it. That's all we've uh, got. I love his jacket. It's iconic though. It's dope. Uh, yeah, the I was reading cool. somewhere the it's like so cool. uh, leather might have lasted longer, but I don't think that's true. The leather's a natural product; like it degrades like anything else. I don't know. Yeah, I, and I don't know it is a really poor choice in the like arid environment. It's just, it's just yeah, it's not smart. It'd be so hot up in there, man. I guess that's why they need the arseless chaps. They yeah, just need some air flowing, man. <laughs> Easy access and just yeah, it's so moist. You would be oh, you'd yeah. be sloppy the whole time. Everybody People looks dirty, and I bet they smell even worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you are a hundred percent right. So um, yeah, I guess. The, the actors deserve better because, man, that would have been hot <laughs> filming with that leather on. So did yeah. you know there's, there's, there's two actors in, in Thunderdome that went on to become play school presenters? Really? Yeah. So one of the, one of the girls, one of the young girls went on to become a uh, play school presenter. I had her name in my head. And Master then, and Blaster. And then George. George from play school was one <laughs> the of the Master bad Blaster. guys. Oh, really? Yep. Well, for, I mean, any, for anyone who's not Australian here, play school was like a, a kid's show. A I mean, bit show for everyone. Yeah. I can see they went that direction after Thunderdome, so they're already sense. on their way there. Yeah, George Spartels. Do you know All who right. the girl was? Uh, Jemima. <laughs> um, this is a true Aussie podcast. Yeah. Justine Clark. Justine. Justine Clark. Okay, I'm going to look her up. Anyway, interesting little connection. I, I don't know. I enjoy seeing all these Australian actors and then them continue on to do other things. I yeah. think um, Bruce Spence does a better. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed him in number two, and then they didn't give him much to do in number three. He disappeared. And he's like the best part of like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, like he's so good in so many movies. That's what I know him from. Yeah, that's yeah. what I know him from. See, that's the thing because I thought he was the same character. I was like, oh, wait till Max finds out it was that old scamp that's <laughs> taking his thing again. And he's like there watching, and he seems to be like avoiding Max. And I was like, oh, he knows it's him. And he like did that thing at the start of the film and then he just disappears for the rest of the movie until the very end when he shows up again. And I was like, what's going on? That was literally my whole gripe, the whole movie. I was like, what's going on with Max and this guy? I don't know what's going on. It is a bit strange, but... Um... Have, we, have we covered fixing these films? Do we want to move on to Mad Max to the best Mad Max? Second well, best. How do you guys fix Beyond Thunderdome? Because if you just remove the kids, it's 50 minutes long. <laughs> That's so what you I was going to say. Remove there we go. <laughs> You've got to fill it in. So what do you do for the other 30 minutes? Send him to some other civilization. Surely there's another civilization in the desert. Make it an, make it an indigenous civilization. Make him learn from them and learn how to survive in the desert. And... Mm. 
And not kids. Not <laughs> kids. kids, yeah. Because they I mean, can't that's, act. That's a good rule for all for all films. Just don't put kids in there. Yeah. I feel like it's better now because a lot of kids are probably doing acting classes at a young age. Back then, it was just like, hey, grab what's-his-name's kid. Chuck him in here too. He can that's be our main star for this scene. Like it's because they have like 30 kids as well, right? I don't think there was many <laughs> Australian kids who were acting it. In 85, unfortunately. Oh, I thought you were saying everyone back then had 30 kids, so they had lots to choose from. They did too. That, that too. Well. <laughs> it was George Miller's fly. kids. He was like, go kids, run on the scene. <laughs> have, you, have you got to fix the number yeah. one? Um, Make I, really, no, I really think the script just needs a good re-overhauling. Because the film feels like a... It, and like, obviously, disagree with me if you, if you feel compelled to, but I feel like it really is a revenge movie at its heart. Like, you have the very long opening chase... Which sets the whole scene in the world with Toke with Knight Rider is this, you know, he's this villain. That's an opening act. That goes for way too long. I think it takes up too much of the film. Even like you could you could make the film as a whole longer, but the fact that the opening sort of event takes ages is a bit clunky. And then there's a lot of sort of nothing happening. And the whole like the whole thing of Max getting out of it, it's there's no real reason. It's he's like, Oh, I feel disillusioned because I was in a car crash. But we're also told the whole time that Max is this hero who's this badass driver. You kind of get this idea that he's like the king of these, you know, these police, these Viet interceptor drivers, and he's just like, "Oh, that was hardcore. I want to leave." And then the whole the film actually then the only narrative of the film is when his wife dies, which happens at like two thirds in. I really think that needs to happen early on. Like you could very simply do like a small car chase to open it, have Knight Rider or one of Tokata's boys killing his, you know, like he stops him, and even at the halfway point, just have it a lot earlier, cut out the whole forest yeah. waning part. And I have think have because my other issue is that Max's descent, where it's like you know the the final scene where he gives the guy the um the saw, and he's like you can either cut through this chain or your leg in half the time. No, that's cool. meant that's meant to be like wow, he is a monster because only a monster would do that. But that's the only yeah. time we really see that because he doesn't even kill Tokata. Tokata dies by another truck. Yep. So I think you need to have there needs to be more time showing Max's you know getting revenge or gradual decline, and then that last moment. That's my fix. Yeah, I, like you could nearly flip it around. Yeah, have the have the the uh, the this, the scene that causes him to get reven- need revenge. Yeah, you need to start. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad point. All right, Mad Max two. How good is it? <laughs> the best. Wow, it's not a simple movie, but I really I don't know. I really enjoy it. I think it's very fun. Yeah, I was um I was like genuinely entertained from beginning to end in this one. I like I feel like again similar to the first one. It's only an hour and a half long or so. So it breezes by, I feel. Um, feels brutal. I love the little gyrocopter um, thing as well. I think that's got like the snake as his defense yeah. thing as well. And then he just buries himself cool in the dirt thing. as well. Like, <laughs> and he's wearing those like, it. he's wearing those weird pajama pants and the coat. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> man, if, uh, it feels so like, oh, gross. It's a Max eating the dog food. Like yeah, and like really into it. Another like, dude's jealous. Like, it's like, oh yeah, this is survival times. Yep. And the dogs <laughs> just watching. I feel like the dog's iconic in number two, and I feel that's like a massive thing when the dog gets shot as well. Mm. Um, I don't know. I I was kind of like, oh no, when his wife and child get run run down. Um, it's kind of shocking to me, but makes makes the scenes in Fury Road make more sense with stuff that happens with the flashbacks and stuff like that. But, mm. um. Yeah, like genuinely entertained by this film. I I love the whole thing that they're controlling this like um tanker and they've got all access to all this 
guzzling and you know these people trying to come in over and over again and anyone that leaves there they're going to hunt them down like if anyone escapes like boom they take them down you know um it feels threatening it feels like how are they going to get past when he goes out on his own to grab the the truck and bring it back it feels tense and they're chasing him down for him to just try and get back inside it feels tense uh a few cars that get into the little compound it feels like oh god what's going to happen um yeah it's it's so good and it, it is so simplistic like when I, I try and think about the plot of the film, I'm like, well, he, he finds that place and he helps them bring the truck back there to get the fuel. Like, it's, Pretty much. Uh, that's it, but it, it's entertaining. So, yeah, I really love how like over the top humongous is. And yeah. like, I don't know, even like the feral kid and stuff. Like, I know it's a bit weird, but it, there is some fun there. And I hate the I feral kids so much. Yeah. I hate him like talking or screaming or laughing or whatever he's doing. Like his, I like him throwing the boomerang, and I love oh, that he has a glove like that's chainmail to catch yeah. it. Yeah, to catch it. It's just so funny how when he hits the guy in the head, his friend ducks and he's just standing there and just hits him. Yeah, it's like come on, buddy. <laughs> and then they all just laugh at him too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I really enjoy just Max doing recon too for like three days. Just compelling there eh? with his binoculars and checking out what's happening and yeah you get some like pretty vile like some pretty violent scenes happening like pretty shocking yeah. stuff going on and mm. yeah and it feels like yeah it feels like this is a post-apocalypse like it feels yeah, like this yeah. is really horrifying um to be in it this re- world it reminded me of um clockwork orange for some reason like just I my know. wife said the same yeah. thing my yeah wife said the same thing pretty hardcore and yeah 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 i like yeah i'm not you're at the Grana, what you're saying before about world building, I think the film does it really well. Like things like how he's got the shotgun and he only gets bullets at the very end. Mm. It's just this idea of like there is nothing left. He's got one can of dog food, and that's kind of his food for a few days. Gasoline is there's a siege happening because driving cars are so crucial in the desert. Yeah. Like um, yeah, the Jara captain, he has the snake, and when it dies, he's like, I'm gonna eat this, and he's really excited about eating the snake. <laughs> I've got a recipe for it, it's delicious. Yeah, just this you're not, you're not getting any, yeah. Really cool, so like little bits of world building like that. Even things like how he goes, he finds like the die. Um, the dead guy's got a die in his bag, and he's kind of just this little thing like it's a trinket from the past. He sort of knows, yeah. but it's just little things that really add to it. Um, yeah, they they make it so much more interesting. And yeah, just super taut, super tense. Like the car chases are really entertaining. Similar deal, like Max isn't invincible. He gets messed up really easily. And really quickly. Yeah, but it's his smarts, right? Like he's got the the bomb in his car that outsmarts him. He's got just the will to sort of do this stuff, and that's what keeps him alive. It's, uh, it's um, I was reminded a lot of Fistful of Dollars in all in a lot of ways. Like turns up to a town, there's problems there. Yeah, it's a very simple premise. Um, yeah, gets messed up, but he managed to outsmart these people. But and he's not a hero. He's just there to get the the gasoline and then leave. Like, yeah, I don't. Did, did Max know about the bait and switch at the end? Oh, true, with the dirt in there. I don't think so, no. No, it didn't, like, it didn't seem like he did, but that's no. interesting. Like, it's kind of cool. I think, yeah, that's the such a nice touch. He did yeah. get outsmarted by these, like, people and um, was the, completely their bait and decoy, like, mm. to get taken out. But, you know, I, I completely forgot about that, actually. And then... This I, is nice, yeah. yeah. Do you like the uh, the whole... It cracked me up actually. What at the start of the movie, you know how it's got the narration? Um, the guy's like narrating the film and it ends up it's yeah. been it's the feral kid, isn't it? And he's like yeah. saying, like, that's yeah. the last time I saw Max. Yeah. Man, that voice, I swear I was watching a beer commercial because that voice <laughs> is like the voice of like 
and a hard-earned thirst. He's like, it's that same <laughs> voice actor. Yeah. So the start of Mad Max, when he's talking, I'm like, I, why do, I said to my wife, I was like, why do I feel like I'm watching a beer commercial? And she was like, because that's the voice. That's the voice. But it cracked me up every time he was talking. It's just um, synonymous with Australian ads. I feel like that voice yeah. now. It is very, yeah, it's a very Australian voice. You're right. Yeah. Um, um, I was, I was going to say, do you guys... Um, Oh, I was going to say something about the feral kid, and I've completely forgotten about the feral kid. Something about oh, him. What a turd he was. Yeah, I mean, he was. I do like that it cuts the guy's fingers off when he tries to catch it, and he's just... Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I really I really like that movie. Yeah, I, it's... I don't know. It's like, it's a tale as old as time, right? Like I mentioned before, it's this, like, it's riffing on the Westerns and the samurai stories, like the, mytholo- the mythologies of all these sort of old cultures of, like, wandering heroes and cities under siege and all that stuff. And it's like that sort of tale for the Australian, the Australian outback, and so it's really familiar, but it's also completely new. Um, and just so many, like so many great practical effects on display. Like they blew that place up at the end. They had one shot. I was going to say it, it looked like they actually blew it up. Yeah, they just blew up a, a little like mini town. It's awesome. Like all the car crashes. Obviously, with all these films, are real. Like there's no CGI. There's nothing. There. They just mess stuff up. And like ah, practical effects, baby. Uh kind of like this town's like all these people like with these like white um kind of futuristic clothes they all look like they're from sweden <laughs> like yep. the blonde hair and they're just like yeah, yeah it's an interesting look on a few of them at, and that yeah. dude up on the flamethrower all the time man the flamethrower was cool but it was super ineffective yeah he dies fast yeah. but it makes sense right like cricket players wear all white because you're in the sun all day so they're wearing yeah. white with turbans like because the, yeah, the really. city's not the city's not well built they've got no shade in the whole area for some reason makes more sense than leather it does. Saying. Does the humongous right. outfit make more sense where he's wearing nothing? <laughs> Technically, yeah. Well, he's going to get sunburnt real bad. As an intimidation but, tactic. But he's got a helmet on, so his face isn't going to get sunburnt. That's the rest um, of him. That doesn't matter. Could have like a coolant system in that helmet. I don't know. I don't think he's Bane. Oh, true. I wanted him to break out a few Bane quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The gasoline rises. Oh, you might this is, yeah, like the villains are just really interesting. Where I mean, the biker with the mohawk is kind of frustrating, where he doesn't, he's just always like, and just roars at people. And I don't the know, red, the red mohawk, dude. Yeah, so the, the villain, the main sort of antagonist that Max sees at the beginning. Yeah, he's, the whole, he he's kind of an. And then he's like on the bonnet of the car with like a chain, like his chain on his neck, yeah. and then they undo it, like, you're unleashed now, wild one. And he's like, no, and starts yeah. to up for Max. <laughs> All that's a bit strange. But yeah. I like Humongous being like this, yeah, this freakishly large dude. And it's kind of like, is he a mutant? Is he like sort of unnaturally large or what exactly has happened? But mm. I do, like, I like how they. And they they do this in almost all the Mad Max films, but like they don't have to answer every question. They don't have to lay out the politics of the whole world or anything like that. Like it's just this small story that Max is intrinsically involved in, but he's not even the character. Like we learn more about the people in the town than we do about Max, really. Yeah. In this movie. And it's just yeah. I don't know. It's cool that it's a. Um, I mean, all these movies are like this, but they're like really awesome action movies. But like, there's no guns, hardly. Like. Mm. There's very few shots fired. Like, like as you say, he only gets the shotgun shells at the end. Dude with the with the crossbows going off for a bit, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. There's like no gunplay. It's all just car chases and yeah, and the the gauntlet crossbows. Yeah, is pretty inventive. It's pretty cool. gangster. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
they're, they're in Assassin's Creed games now. It's just like it seems so like influential in so many sort of video games and stuff like that these days. Yeah, no, for sure. One thing I really like, and this is a tiny little thing, but Max's hair in this film, because we talked about it last time with Spider-Man and how Tobey Maguire ugly cries, and that's really good to do. His hair in this is like ugly long. It's not styled long. It's not like they've carefully made it look like it's like it's sort of rough, but it's actually really carefully done. It's just he had like just a short hair and it's grown out, so it's long on all the sides. It looks like crap. Yep. Fantastic choice. It's just yeah, such his a... hair is kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's it is like that's bad wild. You should get like that yeah. needs a haircut. It's never like he looks cool. It's just like you've got a mess of hair. It it looks like a dude who had his wife cut his hair and his wife's gone now. So he's just Exactly. Yeah. There's no barbers in the in the afterlife world. Exactly. Love it. Um, that's what I was going to say about the the feral kid. How much of your essay was based off how much you dislike the feral kid? It was it was that it was at least ten pages. Characters that should not exist. The feral kid. <laughs> and it was just, it was just that, and it was like a lot of just me saying the feral kid sucks. He's why he sucks. I hate him. Yeah, true. I don't know. Yeah, just. Feral kid really irks me. Uh, the when he like is laugh. I don't. I, I can't even tell what he's doing. Yeah. Like, is he trying to laugh or communicate or whatever he's trying to do? That I hate that. Like he's like, yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, definitely what it's like. Yeah, pretty much. There's there's no reason why. Like everyone else is fine. I get it's like the, the generation born after, but why is he just completely? Well, primal? I mean, it doesn't seem to have any parents within the compound, though, does he? Like. Yeah, I guess. It doesn't seem like it. Like, I, I imagine he was just left out. In they the found him. They found him. Mm. It's like, I mean, man, I've seen on a current affair people barking like dogs because they were raised <laughs> with dog, in dog kennels. <laughs> so I'm sure in this post-apocalyptic, then it could, it makes sense. Maybe. But I mean, maybe. How, much that, I was just say, how much did the tanker at the end remind you of Fury Road? Like, mm-hmm. Yep. That's After watching it, I was like, I can't wait. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> That's Fury Road now. Like you can just tell that there are there are so many things in here that you can tell he's like this is a cool idea how do I execute it and it's kind of like he's locks it away he's like that could be better or that's really cool I want to do something again with that even like the flamethrower to an extent it's like that looks really cool and then we get the flame guitarist he's, I'm just going to put a guitar on it man and have yep. a guy shred on it that's going to make it not? the coolest possible thing have we held out long enough do we need to talk about Mad Max Fury Road now yes I'm ready man, what a freaking film. Like what? it has some of the most inventive like vehicles and characters, I think ever. Right? Like, yeah. It, yeah. Is it the best action movie in recent like I, of the twenty first century? I think so. Like it's, it's oh man, balls to the wall, start to finish, just this like thrill ride, adrenaline pumped. Like it's it's um it's crazy. I love the soundtrack in it. I really really I love agree. the soundtrack in Fury yeah. Road. Um, by Junkie XL, like man, the guitarist shooting flamethrowers out, just rocking. Man, he's like, he's got the weird bandages. People are so gross in this film, like, just yeah. you got like the um, what is it? The is it the man eater or something like that? Or um, the guy that the, has like the a pe- little the, the people, people eater, eater. you know, yeah. he's just there like rubbing his nipples through these yeah. holes in yeah. his suit and like, and, like massive his, his like... elephant man feet, yeah. and it's oh. just yeah, gross. Oh man, Joe's oh, um, like oh, his skin. Yeah, oh, yeah like, before they put the suit on him yeah. at the start, it's it's brutal. Um, yeah, it's it's so interesting seeing a movie that comes twenty years after the last installment, 
like when that happens, it's usually a real flop. It's usually just like, yeah. oh, this is a cash grab. This is just a soulless thing made for, for no real reason. But this is the exception where you can tell. And like I said before, Miller has been churning this over in his head for 20 years. And he's just like, I want to make more Mad Max. And he's finally with us. He reached point like, this is what my vision looks like. And I think this is what he always imagined Mad Max looked like. And it's just amazing. It's like, it's completely realized. Everything is, there's no misstep in that film. And that's an example as well of weird, like script writing. The script shouldn't work, but it does. Because there is no narrative. There is no, it's just one chase and then it's a chase back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so well paced because there is like these huge action scenes and there's a quiet moment of character development and there's a huge action scene and a quiet moment. And it's just, it's done so well. And he's got such a good rhythm for film at this point. Where it's like it's two hours long that movie and it is never, never dull. No, it is just the most. By. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, there's there's a really good in, like good sense of like impending doom. Like these guys are right on their ass all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you slowing down? Why are you stopping? Why are you wasting time? Figuring mm-hmm. like you need to get the f out of here. Stuck in the mud. Like oh no, the yeah. guy's coming now. I'm <laughs> shooting machine guns everywhere. And cool moments like you see those cars with all the spikes on them, and they speak Russian for some reason. Yeah. And just yeah. this little world building moment of like, okay, so there's like a, a, a Russian group here with spiky cars. That's really interesting. There's, there are oh. so many little world building moments. Like, and like, I think you do see that in the other movies, but it definitely yeah. like, this is where it comes like full force. Like the, yeah. um, the the dude like the crow looking dudes walking on stilts in the, oh, in the man. swamp. Like, I you always see forget them about for, like, them. A minute. Like they're not really mentioned, but it's like, what the hell is going on over there? Who I are these people? Like, <laughs> yeah. What are they doing? There's no one watching them. <laughs> what are they doing? Like it, it just, yeah. it's. But it, um, yeah. Like man, the crows. I always forget about them, and when they pop up, I'm like, oh man, that's creepy. Like that's some bloodborne stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just like I love Nux as well, and I feel like it's so frantic that um fight scene where. Nux is fighting, Max is fighting, Furios is fighting. Like when they first catch Such up, a to good him. scene. And the whole scene where him like climbing up with the, like the the ammo for the gun, and like he sticks it in Max's. She's he's holding the other side of the gun, and like boom, boom, boom. You know, shoots next to yep. Furios's head. It's just such a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Um, little moments like there's this scene where uh, like Nux swings and like kicks Max while he's hanging from Furios's arm, like kicks him onto the other other car like you know like drop kicks him on there to swing him around there <laughs> it's just oh it's it's so cool and i, I love nux's character arc and yeah mm. i love the witness me crap and the chrome spraying and it's like i don't, yeah. don't know what's happening but it's so cool yeah so, like doesn't make any sense but i'm so here for it like yeah yeah because it believes in it right everything in there it's like there's a reason for this we don't know it but there is one it's like yeah what's he spraying on his mouth who cares it makes them go crazy and do weird shit yeah like Oh, yeah, so many quotes. Witness me, like the f- died majestic on the Fury Road, shiny and yep. chrome. Like, oh, and I like just, there you go. Sorry, go. I was like, for years after it, everyone was just quoting this film and like, yeah, oh, it's amazing. I was just gonna say, like, the concept of like the blood bag, like having this human oh, being attached mm. to the front of your vehicle, so you can like have an infusion of his blood. Yeah, oh, it's such. So it's like so creative, and it leads to all these moments where like Max is tethered to someone else. And He's it's on the front of the car, still yeah, being like... drained of his blood. <laughs> yeah, there's like so That's... Miller in all these films. He does an amazing job with like with the language of of what they call people. Like the guy in that is called the organic mechanic, and so obviously he's just like a doctor, 
but they see the world through vehicles, so he's an organic mechanic. And so, like, they tattoo on his back. Um, I know I saw a bit of it. One of them's like, I think it mentions like his testicles being intact or something. And so it's like they've actually they've mapped out how his entire body works fine. So that's why he's a universal donor because he's got no broken bits. He could and donate then, anything. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. And things like in the second one, the Lord Humongous, and then in this you've got like Immortan Joe, which is a play on immortal. You've got Rictus Erectus, which is like. We sort of know that means tall and hard, but we don't quite know what these words mean. Like things like auntie entity. It's like this. He's got a really great play on language and how it evolves, how it evolves on in time. Um, that again, isn't great in Thunderdome, but he's really great in Fury Road. The Doof Warrior. I yep. Mean. The Doof Warrior. <laughs> Amazing. I was, um, it actually took me back. I forgot to mention this earlier when we were talking about um, Mad Max 1, when he does that thing about, um, you know, you have five minutes to, cut your leg off or whatever um and he's like you're mad you're mad man i was waiting for him to be like i'm mad max and just like walk <laughs> off as this car explodes and then put the sunglasses on yep <laughs> yeah um, that would have that would have been cool yeah um oh, i can't like it's just the action in this and the fact that you know when you look at behind the scenes stuff so much of it was practical effects and you can tell that like all yeah. the cars exploding and crashing into each other I love the aesthetic of the massive sandstorm, like so hurricane. Cool. So and cool. I legit was like sitting there cackling, being like, holy <laughs> shit. When the car like blows up and is spinning in the air and there's the bodies flying everywhere in the hurricane at the start, it's insane. And it's yeah. so damn good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like nice. the practical effects, like when they're um, up on the poles and they're, they're swinging down. Oh, on the amazing. Like- how do they? How do they make this movie? Like, yeah. they like this is some Cirque du Soleil shit. Like, it's yeah. just wild. It, like, it, this is all practical. And even like, yeah. as soon as Max lands and the yeah guy bends over, picks him up, it gets him off. Then Max bounces back again. It's just like oh, so yeah. chaotic, and it's like, yeah. oh god, they're about to escape. Oh no, now this thing's happened, and it's just like so many moving parts happening at once. Yeah, it would have been such a like such a mess to make. And you read about it how both um Tom Hardy and Charlie's Theron got really frustrated with George Miller on set. Like oh, Tom really? Hardy, pr- pretty like notoriously, he like had a real spat with him, and like you know, it was, like really bad relationship. And then afterwards, when he finally saw the film, he went and apologized to Miller and was like, "I'm sorry, I shouldn't have questioned you." Oh, really? Charlie's Theron to the same thing because because Miller was just like he he wasn't giving them much to work with. And Max in that film isn't a character. No, he no. just he just grunts replies. And so it'd be hard to like act in that headspace, but Miller's just like, do this. Trust me, it works. Yeah, and it and it did. And it's just a fascinating idea of like, here's this dude's vision that yeah. shouldn't be filmable, shouldn't work, but it just it truly does. And um, I think we're all better off for it existing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many, but that's the thing. I think I always forget that that like Max barely talks in this film, and it legitimately feels like it's fifty minutes into the movie until he gets the thing off his face and says yeah. his first word. And it's like, it's such a relief when it comes off. Cause he's there like, like oh, trying to get it off for ages. And when yeah. it finally comes off, I feel like I could breathe. I was like, ah, it's <laughs> off now. Like, and he's got the blood thing taken off him. But um, I feel like it makes a little personable moments with Max stand out more. I don't know. I really love, and I know it's a meme now, like the little thumbs up, like when he looks back at the girl who survived, yeah. and he's just like, like yeah. good, good for you. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I love the comment. Obviously, it's a meme again. Like yeah. the that's bait. That's like, bait. It's great. Like there's yeah. a lot of scenes yeah. that have now turned into memes. Obviously, 
Yeah. I just think it's it's a real testament to how Miller essentially created the action film twice. Like he did it in the 80s. Yeah. It's like that was just that made the action blockbuster. And then action was kind of in a weird stagnant role in, you know, the around like the 2010 era. And then this comes out and it's like, oh crap, he's done it again, guys. Look what's happening. It's a breath of fresh air and it still it is. is now. It's yeah. like no one really mimicked this and kept it going. Um yeah, I'm, like, I'm surprised, well, I'm just surprised, like, um, I kind of think of the name, The Fast and the Furious, like, these are car mm-hmm. movies that have been going on for decades and decades, yeah. and they're just churning out the same crap over and over again, like, this is the movie that should inspire them, and they're just, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I think more people need to sit up and take notice, like, I'm looking forward to more action movies like this. Why has it been six years since Fury Road? Why have we not gotten another Mad Max yet? So I, I mentioned this before with the the budgeting. I didn't realize this, but Fury Road actually was not considered a success. Like it made money, blows me away. Blows me but away. it actually it wasn't a hugely successful thing. In my mind, it was the biggest film of the year. Yeah, like I just, I remember I was there on day one, not day one, but I was very excited for this film. Yeah. I saw it with all my housemates. I remember we went and watched it, and because I, I was working at the video store at this time, everybody I know was like, "Fury Road's coming out. Fury Road's going to be awesome," and I just kind of. I forget, I guess I was just in a bubble, but outside of that, no one cared. And I'm like, oh, it, yeah, so I, this film generally... is dead, man. That's kind of my thing looking at it. Like, the film didn't do huge. Did enough that there is a, a trilogy still coming. But I think, yeah, it took a long time to figure out how it's going to go. And Miller takes his time. He's like, he wants to make these movies good, which, yeah. you know, kudos to him. I, I, like, I do get the feeling he's not uh, the studio's favourite person. Like, this movie, I apparently had a, like, it took a long time to get made as well, and was over yeah. budget and I don't know, but it's, it's good to see like there's a spin off and, and like a reboot. Like it's like another, a sequel. Like it's now yeah. it's Furiosa, but it's not Charlie's Theron. Is that correct? Uh, it's, it's, um, young. it's a it's yeah, young, it's a, it's her origin story. It's Anna, Anna Taylor joy, Queen's Gambit, which she's apparently great. I haven't watched anything with her in it. Um, I'm a bit disappointed that it's not Charlie's Theron. Like she was fantastic. She's awesome. She's, she's it's really interesting good. how um how good the female characters are in Fury Road when there's not many great female characters in the other Mad Max movies. No, there's Tina Turner. Tina <laughs> Turner, it. and there's the, the um the, the blonde woman from Number Two. Like yeah, like name. two has her as she dies pretty early on, and yeah. um yeah, that's about it. There's <laughs> the um the one that wants to run away with the gyrocopter captain. Yeah, that's right. She's it's a pretty like cool a, ponytail. She's like Cindy Lauper. Yeah. I suppose it's the old lady they stay with in number one. She's kind of badass. I do feel like Miller has learned a lot, like over his career, right? He's really, yeah. Sort of, yeah. He's the story goes that, yeah. that number that Fury Road was um, edited by his wife. Yep. Apparently, she yeah. brought out a lot of that that's strength, which is cool. And I think that's that's why the editing and this the frantic sort of like the moments have sped up where it's mm. sped up work better in this because in the first three, I think they all look really bad. Like especially in the first, there are so many moments where it's like you can. Someone's got fast forward. If you put Benny Hill music on it, da, 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 yeah. da, 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 it would look, <laughs> it would seem fitting. There's so yeah. many moments. Whereas in this, it's just like when you see like Max swing something, and it's just sped up enough that it looks larger than life, but it doesn't look silly. Mm. So and that was yeah, that was all her. That's the that's the thing. Um, I remember reading something about, uh, especially like the opening scene, like where he's running through the tunnels and it's all frantic and chaotic i remember what they said that they did is actually just removed like a a single frame like from each scene so it was like it was always sort of 
skipping. Oh, like it wasn't yeah. done in like that traditional style of like speeding things up. They just removed a, like a, a frame. So it was constantly like it was like juddering sort of thing. Like it was slightly really, jumpy. Yeah. And they said that that was like one of the first times that that was done in that way. I remember seeing some interview about it. So I don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that's what. So interesting. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, true. Because, yeah. I'm I, like, like I said, I'd never watched Mad Max before. Um, I watched this opening night at the local cinema. Um, we were going to go to the local RSM. I believe Thirsty Merc was playing and it was all sold out. And I was like, hey, let's go to the cinema and watch this Mad Max movie. And my wife was like, oh, I've never watched them. I was like, I've never watched them either. But apparently this is really good because it was getting good reviews. Um, and we went and watched it. And I remember like, five minutes into this movie being like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I don't know what is going on. This is so crazy. And then time just like stood still as the rest of the movie played out. And I remember walking out being like, holy crap, that was intense. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm sweating. Like, I was like, that was intense. This is one of the only movies where I've walked out of the cinema and like, I have to go see that again in the cinema. Like, yeah. I have to be yeah. here again in two nights to watch this again because it's just... It's so good, and it, oh, it like it is breakneck pace. Like it never lets yep. up, really. Yeah, like, I mean, there is slow moments, but it's paced so well. Like just yeah, yeah. yeah it always there's just enough to like develop all their relationships and the narrative, and then it's like cool. Let's get back into it for twenty minutes. Man, the way they kill a Morton Joe, it's oh, amazing. Gruesome, man, brutal. <laughs> there's, oh, there's a lot of grotesque things in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a gross movie. It's a really gross. Uh, movie. When he's when he's taking the baby out. And he gets oh, the umbilical cord. And he like spins it around. It's like a. He's so casual. It's oh, so yeah. messed yeah. up, man. Makes makes me shudder. But I had to tell you guys that I um I knew the Dufuero. Did you? You have told me this once, and I remember being yeah. like, oh, that's he's married. He's married talking. to one of the wives. Really? Yeah. I mean, with them guitars. Oh, he was. But yeah, yeah, he used to come into the video store. Um, I remember I got his ID because he's a, he's an Australian musician called Iota. And I signed him up, and that was just his name. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And then it all clicked with me. I was like, holy crap! And we, um, yeah, like he came in pretty regularly, and we, I just gushed over him. I was like, you're the man, and he was a really cool guy. Did nice. he have the guitar with him? Like at he, all times, he came in and just shot flames and like over his shoulder all the time, burned down half my wall. I'm like, you can't do that. You can't. It's cool though. It's Duff Warrior. It's all right. Just he just try to aim it. He just wears that one red onesie and like the he's got no eyes. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, just, I love that movie. He just listens to the movies. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. Mad Max is done and dusted. It's uh, it's the spooky month, so we're going to do Ooh. Scream for our next nice. trilogy. Uh, we're coming to you live, not live, but in color, in video. It's going to be a video podcast for the first time. Um, so hit us up on YouTube if you want to if you want to see what our faces look like. Uh, if you're interested in watching video of us, we also do a podcast called Bonus XP about video games. Uh, Conan, you've got a book, The Taste of Iron. Yep, available on Amazon. Say. It's basically like the sequel to Mad Max. It, it, it has some commonalities. It definitely I'm not seems lie. very inspired by Mad Max. Everything a lot more gunplay, though. The sequel will be <laughs> yeah. The Taste of Guzzoline. <laughs> Me and George Miller are working together on that. Yeah, Taste of Iron, uh, available on Amazon.com. Or paperback if you know Conan directly. Contact us for a, a signed copy. All right. Uh, any Any closing remarks, boys? I am awaited in Valhalla. All right. We'll catch you next time. Rictus Erectus is a funny name. It is a funny name. It is. He was a wrestler. Is he really? The actor or the character? The actor. Nathan Jones. 
Australian WWE wrestler.